but I get really excited about talking about the choices that you're making when you're creating your art, whether it's the brushes you're using, the medium you're using, the colors you're using, like all of these things inform who you end up being stylistically as an artist. Welcome to another You May Contribute Verse. Team Versi is Brenna Jenneret, author and outdoors mom, John Seymour, editor, author, illustrator, and data guy, and me, Josh Muck, and science communicator, dad, and author who definitely was not working on this episode on Father's Day, which just happened two days ago. This week's conversation is with, according to their website, artist, author, aunt, and alliterator, Anne Appert. And yes, I had to re-record all those A words a bunch of times to get this right. Anne's the author illustrator of Blob, a book with which I hope you're familiar, which champions individual self-expression, even if it doesn't mean adhering to strict labels other than I'm me. Their follow-up book comes in winter 2024 and is titled What If You Wish and really takes a hard look at that central childlike question exploring in a gentle way what it means to consider possibilities. There's a cautionary tale in here in this conversation around leaving your work up on Instagram, but at least in Anne's case, it turned out wonderfully in terms of that follow-up book. If you haven't before, visit uh, Anne's website at Anne Appert, uh, linked in the show notes, and in particular, head on over to their cough coffee, cough, coffee, ko-fi. I've never known how to pronounce that uh, shop for some incredible sticker packs and prints and things that I've picked up for myself. They make great decorations. So fun talking to Anne. We are so happy to share. Um, happy Tuesday, everyone. And uh, see you soon. Um, really, I'm not. Yeah, we were just, I, we were just. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not having internet problems. I just can't stand talking about Studio Ghibli. No, not all that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rude. I will That's say it's a it's a blind spot for my kids. I wonder if it's not if, if it's not connect kinetic and Paw Patrol-y enough uh, to keep my kids' attention. Oh, <laughs> those are pretty quiet it, movies. They tend to be a little bit. They are. Yeah. They tend to be a little bit slow. But like Finn has been captivated by them. Like we've seen Totoro now. I don't know, like four times in the last six months, he keeps requesting it. It is, they are, it is a little bit longer. And like I said, yeah, a little bit slower than like stuff today, but he just is like, I don't know. He loves that character. Like it's so imaginative that, you know, he just, I don't know, he's into it. So he's, he's, he's gentle and outdoorsy and it makes sense that it would click with him for sure. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. That is true. And are you, you guys probably already talked about this before the recording started. Are you informed by Studio Ghibli? I know you, I, I heard you said before I disconnected that you, uh, you didn't watch it when you were growing up, but you've developed a passion for it. I'm not, so the only, I've only seen two of them. I've seen Totoro and um, I want to say Spirited mm-hmm. Away. Maybe? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved them. So I would like to see more of them, I think. And I love watching, um, they have videos on YouTube of them painting the backgrounds for the movies. And those are really oh, amazing to watch. <laughs> well, I, Oh, wow. I've yeah, never I asked this. that question thinking that we were going to launch into a whole, like Anne is inspired by studio Ghibli kind of like <laughs> the early section of the conversation. Not yet, but probably once I watch. <laughs> okay, we'll catch up with you in a year. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Right. All your stuff is going to be. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Did you guys happen to see? um, This was a couple months ago, but Gerald Connors had a post where he had bid 
accidentally on a Studio Ghibli like print, I think from Kiki's delivery service. And it was something like crazy. Like he was just, yeah. yeah, like he was just looking. He just was like a part of the auction, right? Just because he was interested. And he accidentally, they made it so easy to bid. He hit the button and was like, oh my gosh. But just for a second, because someone outbid him like immediately. But he was like, for a minute, I was like, panicking <laughs> I would that would have been like sheer panic for me like what am I doing no stop <laughs> totally I think one of his comments was like how many how many pieces of donut art am I gonna have to sell to make like 17 grand because it's it, or whatever it was some like crazy number <laughs> yeah yeah so and thank you so much for coming on the podcast we'll start we'll start officially <laughs> thank you for having me I'm excited I've never done this before oh my gosh so. oh. I, well, I want to start out, we'll start out real soft, but I want to know more about your sparkly suit because I just, I love that suit so much. I saw the picture on Twitter and was just like, what? And it's, it's very reminiscent of Kaz's, um, sparkly leotard. Did you yes. see that? Yes. 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 Oh and I had gosh. questions about that too. When she came on, I just was like, are you kidding me? Like, can you please tell me more about this thing? And that picture went viral. Like it was like a whole thing. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Well, <laughs> yes. my suit picture did not go viral, but, um, which I'm okay with. I, <laughs> Was I think that so I have always loved suits. I don't have any, and so it's something that I've always wanted to like add more of to my wardrobe. I like menswear inspired things, yeah. and then I was advertised this sparkly suit from Loft, and I was like, I think it was a day where I was feeling particularly discouraged about like writing and art and stuff. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make myself feel better by buying this sparkly suit that I have nothing to wear it for, but I want it, so I'm gonna buy it and. Yes. It really actually worked. It made me feel a lot better. I'm, I'm going I'm to wear it for all the audio podcasts that nobody will get to see. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'll be honest. The sparkly suit made me feel better. Like just that yeah. much like sparkle and like color in one spot. Like it wasn't even my suit, but right. I was like, oh, that thing is awesome. Like it's it's so good. If if I can go back and find it in your feed, I can post it in the show notes so that everybody <laughs> can enjoy the sparkly suit because it's it's worth it. I love a good like glitter bomb of the colors. So only downside to it is that now all of the algorithms are advertising other sparkly suits to me. And I'm like, how many am I allowed to own? Like, can I have multiples and different colors? I, oh, definitely. I just want to acknowledge that my phone is listening and I think it's probably imminent that I'll start getting sparkly suit ads. <laughs> so I'll just add one to my phone. Oh, You're awesome. Right. Oh my gosh. I hope so. I really hope that you send me a picture one day, Josh, of you in a sparkly suit and you're just like, thank you. Anne. I saw I saw a TikTok yesterday. I don't know why we talk so much on the podcast about TikToks, except it's like my way to disassociate. But it was a it was a an analysis of masculinity uh TikTok talking about how uh how Harry Styles and his exploration of gender normative or lack thereof. Uh, wardrobe choices is in itself uh, comfortable masculinity, and I can really, I can really get with that. You're not going to see me probably in anything sequiny, but um, but I, I appreciate the lack of like manly man sort of trappings. Yeah, totally. Like a dude with like nail polish or sparkles sure. or just or like necklaces or whatever. I mean, it's I think it's becoming more and more. Um, quote unquote normal too. Like people are just, you know, they're sort of like, well, I like this thing. So I'm yeah. just gonna wear it because who cares? Like I son? absolutely think that 
clothing, makeup, accessories, none of that should have a gender. She's just right. wear what you want. My son, we read um, Hammers and Nails. So this is a, like a daddy-daughter book. Okay. And um, it was it's really cute. It's really sweet. Um, but we read that and because I thought it was like a great – it was like great puns and like the relationship was really cute and whatever. So we read it. And right afterwards, my kid was like, I want to paint my nails. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I was totally behind it. However, I'm like, I don't have any nail polish. Like I never got into that. <laughs> so I had to go to the store and buy specifically nail polish for him that like stays in his little, in his little like cubby or whatever. And we got pink and orange because those are his favorite colors. And then yes. also the one that is my favorite, it's a color called strobe light. So, I mean, you can Amazing. imagine it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like your sparkly suit, Anne, but in nail polish. So That's amazing. Anyways, yeah. So we break that out like kind of constantly. He's just into it. Oh, and he loves uh, body glitter also. We have oh a bunch God. of body glitter. And <laughs> nice. he'll just he'll just cover himself in body glitter. And he's like, I'm Sparkle Man. And he comes out and then he's got like these like uh, headbands too that are glittery that he likes to wear. Anyway. I love that. <laughs> you can really jive. Sparkles are for everyone. Yeah, that's right. I want to talk about right. something that people won't be able to see, but maybe you've posted about before. I mean, you're the room that you're in is what room? So this is um, a room in my parents' basement. So it's my studio. Um, they converted half of their basement to a mini apartment kind of because my grandma lived with us years ago. Um, so this was her space. And then I slowly took it over as my studio. <laughs> Um, and now it's completely that. It's glorious. I mean, for the <clears throat> for the listening audience, there are bright yellow bookshelves that match your sparkly sweater and what, what appear to be sun rays, sun, sunlight radiating mm-hmm. out of a bookshelf with a bunch like stuffed animals and some frame prints, but like a, what seemed to be a lot of uh, color coded uh, in rainbow order picture books. Yes. It's I love rainbow. Fantastic. So. I know the picture books though, I do have to, I've contemplated making them not in rainbow order because I can never find any of the books that (laughs) I want. Because surprisingly, I remember covers pretty well, but I did not realize that often the spine of a picture book is a different color than the cover. Oh, So when it's on the shelf, you're like, oh, it has a red cover and you're looking in the red section and you can't find it and it's very frustrating. And then it's like, oh wait, but it has a blue spine for some reason. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that either. But I do have I I like postmarked this thing that um Kaz actually posted yesterday on her Twitter about the Undies Awards. Have you guys mm-hmm. seen this? Oh yes. my gosh, I never saw it before. Josh, are you aware of no. this? The Undies? So when you take off the book cover the dust jacket on a book, the underneath like the secret like um cover reveal, oh. right? The dust cover, they refer to it as undies. And so underneath, when you have like the reveal under there, it, you know, it can be something totally different or like sort of like mm-hmm. an Easter egg for the readers, right? And so there's this whole awards that they do for like these <laughs> undies. And it was, I'm so excited to read it. I haven't read it yet. But um, Aeon, did you do that for Blob? Do you have, is there like a secret like reveal no, there? No, it didn't occur to me to ask for it for Blob because like oh. it was something that I had always liked, but like it, my director didn't, art director didn't bring it up and like, it was my first book, so I was too shy to I ask. Want, I don't want to st- stir the pot or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Blob is just the same on the um, book jacket and on the case cover. That feels... T- However, my next book... Yeah. 
has that, well that feels tone consistent oh. for bob that it's it's the same on the outside as it is on the inside right right yes bob. I yeah said bob. right oh that's a good point i, I should have said blob I misnamed. <laughs> that's a good point though like that that they're the same <laughs> But also that brings up a, a really interesting point. Like it didn't occur to me that you'd have to ask for that. Like I just figured that that was a thing that people just did. Like it was, you know, sort of like included in designing a book, but that's something that you have to sort of like put out there and ask for, huh? It probably depends on the publisher and the um, books that they do. Um, so that could come from the publisher. It could f come from the creator. I have no idea. I just know for Blob, it didn't happen. And then I was talking to a friend and they're like, oh yeah, and we're working on the case cover. I was like, no, I forgot that those could be different. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're like, curses, shoot. Yeah. It stands, it so. stands, it's all right. So was there any discussion for the follow-up? Not the follow-up to Blob, but the, your second book? Yeah, so, well, it was a little bit of a roller coaster getting that... Um, done because they told me yes right away like we can do it to separate case cover it will be great so i start designing it and then they're like because of supply chain issues and everything getting more expensive like we're not going to be doing extras or things so we can't do a separate case cover and i was like well that's disappointing um but i understand and then they came back again and we're like well actually we just found out we can do different case covers so <laughs> what a wild like, ride. okay guys yeah, I, I'll believe it when I see the book and lift off the jacket and see the separate case cover. But yeah, oh my gosh, the, I feel like supply chain issues can be like it can be blamed for everything. I mean, like yes. I can't pay my rent on time, but it's it's supply supply chain issues. You right. understand? Like it just like my, I broke my arm. My, supply chain issues. Yes. <laughs> my money supply is stuck at the LA docks or whatever. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. My my big shipping container full of money. Yeah, it'll be here. Don't worry about it. It's coming. <laughs> yes. So. Unrelatable in the publishing industry, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Right. I wish. I wish there was a big thing of money. Um. Yes. Well, Anne, tell us about your your book coming out. I'm really excited to hear all about it because I um the first I knew about it was when I was looking through your website and just seeing mm -hmm. like it's uh it's like happening. Yes. So um, it's very different than Blob. So I am both very excited for it and also very nervous. Like, I don't know how it will be received. Um, it's mm. not a humorous book. Um, I'm really bad at describing it. To be honest, but... <laughs> let's, let's workshop your um, pitch. Yeah. Like, it's usually I like just pull up the file that has like the jacket copy that my editor wrote and just read that because it like oh yeah encapsulates what the book is about um so it's about wonder and wishes and going through this kind of emotional journey of like having these dreams and but having doubts kind of weigh you down from those dreams um so the writing is very lyrical um I would call it a poem. I don't know if it's officially a poem. Mm. And the art style is um, more of a watercolor. It looks, I think it looks traditional. It's actually all digital work still, um, but it's very different than Blob. Um, and it has cool. a hopeful ending. And I'm really excited about some of the stuff I got to do. It was very scary to do because it was way outside my comfort zone. But um, I'm very happy that my editor pushed me to do it because I think... I think the end result came out your, good. I hope. Your editor pushed you to do it. I mean, po post in in 
after you had already sold the book to them, they pushed you to take take some risks and get scary? No. So this was interesting the way my second book came about. So when I signed the contract for Blob, it was for two books. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, but the second book was for anything. Like it didn't, they didn't, specifically, I didn't want it to be a Blob sequel, I believe. Um, so at the time I signed the contract, my editor went through my Instagram and like screenshotted some old like ink and watercolor drawings I had done and was like, maybe we can like look at this for your second book, like doing something in this style. I was like, great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And internally it was like, I really hope she forgets about that. <laughs> because I don't work that way anymore. And it would be to- like, there were sketches and I was like, I'd be totally terrified to do a book in that style. So we finished up Blob and we're like starting to talk about the second book. And it's like, so just wondering like what ideas you had like we sent her some other projects I had done and she's like well remember those drawings <laughs> I didn't forget about them <laughs> you're like no no I have no recollection you went and deleted those posts from Instagram, from Instagram. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah like no I, I don't know what you're talking about I never did ink drawings ever in my life right um, I hate ink don't talk to me about ink right <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me any more questions oh I so, heard you say yeah. in, ink in watercolor like some ancient technique I was like, I was very intrigued. Ink and oh, no, nice. no. <laughs> like pen and ink. <laughs> no, so. Um, and then at that point, she had me write. This was a very different approach for writing for me as well. Um, I sent, I think I sent my agent at the time, like three different outlines. She wanted an outline for the story. And I was like, how do you write an outline for a picture book? Like, yeah, right? so short. Totally, um, isn't it just the book? Like, here's right. the... This is the book and the outline. It's the same thing. Like right. Here. Um, but I did it. I managed to do it. And basically, it was kind of just like talking through how I, because I think both in words and visually, so kind of talking about the art and the story and how they would kind of work together through the book. And then my editor, my agent picked the two strongest ones. We sent those to my editor and she picked one from those. And then I wrote the book. I, I want to pull this apart because this feels like a, a different a different kind of interaction than we've had before this notion of agent helps sell books plural mm-hmm. editor makes request you still work with your agent to refine that before it goes back to the editor it doesn't become a direct editor editor and interaction fully um the business um, of the I agenting guess, I, is, is not done after the sale i guess yeah i think it would probably depend on people's relationships with their agents um and their editors. Uh, usually, from that point on, it was mostly between me and my editor. Um, I talked a little bit about in, in our emails with each other that I have anxiety. So mostly my getting my agent's eyes on it was to confirm that I was headed in the right direction before mm-hmm. I sent it to my editor. Totally. Um, so I didn't want to totally crash and burn. Right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Um, so just kind of needed that reassurance from somebody who was familiar with my work and could yeah that's a, say, that's a, a pretty a pretty good uh, expectation of most agents hopefully is the reassurance part yes. <laughs> the cheering you yeah on. and yeah. because it was right and because it was an outline for a picture book which I had literally never heard of anyone doing before this moment I was like is this what they're looking for like if I send right. my editor this is she gonna be like yes this is what I wanted to see yeah right it's like um 
there's this office episode where the whole time Jim is trying to, he's been told he has to do a rundown, but he doesn't know what a rundown is. And so he's been, go, he like goes around the office and he's just like panicking. He's like, I don't know. He's like, what is, he's like, does this look like a rundown to you? Or he's all casual. Like if you were to do a rundown, like what, like, what would that be? Like if, you know, like whatever, like, just like, it feels similar to that. Like, is, is this a picture book outline? I don't know. Like, right. <laughs> Did it, so for this project specifically, did it feel sort of like you had to work backwards almost? Because she gave you like the screenshots she liked and was like, let's do something with this. And you were sort of like, oh, shoot. Okay, I don't work like that anymore. But now I'm going to try to conjure up a story like based on this sort of style. Uh, Yes and no. So, I mean, I was, again, I'm glad that she pushed me because it's a style that I always wanted to work in, but like didn't want to get my like hopes up because it's really hard um but well I think it's hard to do well there are a lot of people who do ink and watercolor and it's gorgeous and I'm like please don't put me in this thing but my process is kind of all over the place depending on the project so I will often start with art um regardless so that didn't feel foreign to me like oh okay I often will start with an illustration that I've done and try to pick it apart for story um so what was different is that it was a much more serious story than I had ever done before um because I do tend to even my illustrations tend to be humorous (laughs) so um but yeah the original ink drawings had like there was like a forest fire and everything it was very serious that's not in the book but (laughs) we moved away from that what if you wish there were no forest fires (laughs) (laughs) that's so interesting though from an author's point of view because I don't I mean it's not that I don't think visually because of course like Mm -hmm. when I'm writing you know you try to you you visualize what like what's happening and you leave you know action notes or whatever and try to sort of like fill in where the illustrator might and think like how those are going to work together Mm -hmm. but the idea of working like from a picture and then pulling that apart to make to like create a story I suppose sometimes there's that you know like a picture prompt or whatever and those um like fall frenzy I think had that as a Mm -hmm. contest prompt and so trying to do that but it's really hard for me to sort of start from that that way because it's almost like the story has been done like the like the picture Mm -hmm. is a story and I'm like oh shoot well what what else do I have to say about that like did I just describe describe the picture like you know so the idea of pulling it apart, that's really interesting. Like, so when you looked at it, like what sorts of things did you pull apart? Like the feeling of it or like the actual, was it more like of a concrete like place to start or something different? Um, so I kind of, I guess, wanted to go for kind of the emotional arc of it. And there are some visual um, not tricks, but I guess like motifs that happened throughout the original ink drawings that I kept for this story. Um, Like there's a yellow bird that you see on the cover that kind of brings the character through what is happening. Um, And so that bird is in the book again, but differently. They're not there the whole time because the character has to figure out stuff for themselves, you know? (laughs) Oh, cool. I like that idea. Mm -hmm. And is yellow your favorite color? What makes you say that? (laughs) It's, it's my favorite color too. So I just has <laughs> my fifty percent of your screen is yellow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Usually I have a yellow blanket over the back of my chair too, but anytime I wear yellow, I'm like, I gotta move that or else people are really not gonna be able to see me in my studio. 
you're just like a like a disembodied head just right. like yes. floating in the yellow <laughs> the yellow sunshine <laughs> yeah is the story that came out a, a story that you had uh, of a type that you had wanted to tell already i think so i think it would have been much harder so i in addition to writing um picture books i dabble in poetry like that's just something that up to now i've done for myself um I did a lot of poetry writing, especially when I was in college. Like I took a lot of classes. It's something that I really enjoy. So I always wanted to try to meld the two and create something in the picture book world that used the things that I liked to write about when I was writing. And those do tend to be less humorous and more kind of exploring emotions and um, harder feelings, I guess. So part of what's, I don't know if I answered your well, question. Well, <laughs> yeah, part of, part of what's informing that is uh, the notion that as as writer writers who don't draw, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, Brenda, necessarily, but um, what I would bring to the table are a bunch of manuscripts uh, and say, like, oh, you don't you don't want something that I already written. You don't want these hamburgers that are on the on the warmer. You want something fresh and new. <laughs> 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 like I like I imagine I imagine going into either your agenting relationship or you know, this negotiation with this nebulous, you know, blobby second book that's not conceptualized. You've got some other stuff in the hopper uh, that mm-hmm. could have been subbed in. So I'm, I'm curious, I guess, what, was there a feeling like, oh, you don't, you know, you don't want, you don't want this other dummy that I already, uh, you know, have worked through and all that? A little bit, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I now have like, I have like three other picture book dummies that are just like sitting waiting to like Please let me finish these, get revised yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know, for some reason, like, I guess it's funny because when I started writing picture books, I did not consider myself a humorous writer, but like that it tends to be where I feel most comfortable. So those, the ones that we sent to my editor before she was like, no, I really want to go back to those drawings. were all <laughs> funny and kind of more in the same vein as Blob. Um, but that's really interesting that they did, they, they signed you with a two book deal for mm-hmm. blob was the first one, which is clearly, you know, yeah, really sort of like whimsical and funny and like sweet. <clears throat> and then they went the totally like opposite direction where like we, and also we really like these like generally, right. Cause you have the first book and they're like, so enamored. They're just like, mm-hmm. we have to have this plus another book. Right. So you would assume it would sort of follow in style, but this sort of went the totally opposite way, which is really interesting. I don't know how often that happens, but. um, Book deals are rare in themselves for sure. Yeah. I don't know how often it happens. Um, I certainly have never talked to anyone who had the same kind of thing happen. And it was a little nerve wracking too at first, because I don't know if writers feel this way too, but like you get hammered into you that you need to have a brand, like this is the thing you do, or this is the style you work in, or this is the stuff that you write. And then to have somebody be like, no, but I really know that you can do this other thing too. So we're going to do that. I'm like, right, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I know you've curated this whole brand, but we're going to take a hard left and just do not that. So I believe in you, but I believe it in It is a good lesson thing. though. Yeah. Yeah, it is a good lesson for artists that like, because people always say don't post art online unless you're willing to work in that style. And so I learned that. Good, actionable advice. Right? Oh, that's so interesting. I I mean, of course, I haven't heard that before, because I'm not an artist. I mean, they, they, you know, we talk more about in the 
it, like just writing, like mm-hmm. don't post your work online because then it's considered published or then right. if you want to, you know, publish it elsewhere and blah, 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 like those kinds of things. But in terms of like working in that style that I've never heard, but I mean, mm-hmm. That I mean, this is a very case in point sort of like yes. piece of advice, yeah, because it happened to Anne. So anyone yep. listening, if you don't <laughs> want to work in whatever style you're posting, I mean, it could come back around to haunt you later. So keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm over here imagining myself like what? How? What? In what way could I leverage that? Can I make a writing snippet Instagram and just post screenshots of like little the the dumb ideas that I send over to Brenna and be like. You know, agents, editors, you want, you want, you want me to write this, this totally. one about clouds that I just jotted down real quick. <laughs> I'm totally not, not at all the same. I mean, so, okay. So one of my critique partners recently, she, so this is Emily. Uh, I call her M dash because she loves a good M dash. Um, so she's in my critique group and you guys might have seen her around on Twitter because she's like everywhere. She's super sweet, really personable. I know she's listening to this podcast. So hello, Emily, because she's a, a big supporter, but she did this awesome thing recently where she just was like, you know what? I've been pouring like so much energy and like my heart and soul into these manuscripts just to get all these rejections. Right. And so she started just pitching stuff that she had the idea for. She had like the basic outline, if you will, but hadn't finished them because she was like, you know what? I'm going to pitch it. If somebody likes it, I'll write it. She's like, I know I can write that book. So she did that on a couple of, I think it were, I think it was pitch contests, but they got hearted and liked. And now, and then she had to actually like write the book. One of which was a novel in verse, which is amazing. I just read it and it might be the one to get her actually agented. So like, I mean, put it out there, right? And if people are psyched, they'll come back around and just be like, yeah, like write that book. Like, please, you know, like please write that book sure. and like, let's work on it together. So, I mean, Emily rolled the dice and I think it worked in her favor. So it's yeah. interesting. Cause I thought like when I talk to illustrators, cause I used to do some mentorships or I do a lot of critiques for illustrators. Um, I always tell them to that in the picture book industry or in middle grade graphic novels or whatever you're doing like it all comes down to story so even your art has to tell a story so if you're putting up art and it doesn't tell a story then people aren't gonna see you working in this field but if it tells a story then you get the editor or the art director coming to your website looking at that image saying do you have a story for this can i see it and then that's a way into illustrating and writing picture books. So I think you could probably flip that with like pitches for writing, you know? Totally. I, um, yeah, that's so, that is so interesting because I was going to ask like, how do you, and this might be a super dumb question, but like, how do you critique, um, illustrations? Because that, I mean, that again is like really subjective. And so how do you, how do you critique it and be like, well, like, I don't even know where I would start. I don't even know what I would say about something that was like, felt, felt like how was off or like what it was. I don't know. So like, where do you, where do you start with that? I mean, there are certain skill levels that need to, like you need to reach before you're at working at a professional level to um, work in this industry. So I do start with things like composition. Is the drawing done well? How are their color choices? What are, what are the artistic choices that they're making for their art and are they working? And if they're not, I might focus on that first um, because really this is a very competitive field, both for writers and illustrators and people are making incredible art 
Um, like I teach college students and often I bring in picture books as examples of beautiful art that people are making because it's amazing the kind of art that you see in picture books. Um, so I do start with pretty technical looking and just seeing like, is it drawn well? Um, what what choices are they making? Are they working? Are they not? And then if they've reached that kind of level, then I go in and say, what story is this image telling? Like, are the colors right to show the mood that the artist is trying to convey? Um, do the things that your character is holding in the illustration make sense for where they're going? Like, can you add something in their room that tells us a little bit about who they are or what just happened? Um, and then I also like to tell them we should, like an illustration should show us in the middle of a story kind of. Um, so think about like, what would people want to see before and after that moment? Um, and then you can create three pieces that go together and create even more of a story. And then that will create even more interest. Which is what you did with the ink and watercolor uh, drawings, right? Yes. They were connected together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I don't, this is a fascinating conversation to have, because I don't, I don't think that I've, I've thought about this in terms of story choices that, that illustrators are making for individual pieces that they may or may not have to write for in the future. I mean, we've talked on the podcast before about wringing every possible bit of meeting, meaning out of every moment that you possibly can. Mm -hmm. This is a different side to the same coin. Wring every possible bit of meaning that you can out of every single picture. Put things in there to Absolutely. discover, put things in there that tell different parts of the story that aren't, aren't put down into words. Exactly. And other illustrators might disagree with me, but I often refer to myself as a storyteller. Like it always comes back to what is the story in the image? What is the story that you're telling with your words? Because um, that's what we're creating here, our stories. Hey, y'all, let's take a moment for some reviews. And please remember, as you listen to these great recommendations from the three of us, that reviews are one of the best ways to get attention on works and authors and illustrators that you cherish and honor and whose works you want to get in front of other eyeballs. So go and review a book or work that you appreciate today. We're going to start with John's review this week. Um, it is for I Just Ate My Friend, written and illustrated by Heidi McKinnon. I Just Ate My Friend is a delightfully twisted and hilarious picture book with colorful illustrations and satisfyingly dry wit. Heidi McKinnon weaves a story of a little creature searching for a new friend after, well, eating the old one. And even though this book is a relatively quick read, it's still a wild roller coaster of fun emotions. This week, Brenna reviewed I Am Me, a book of authenticity by Susan Verde and illustrated by Peter H. Reynolds and didn't make me do a crazy voice for it. When you unwrap the whimsical and vibrant illustrations of this book, you'll find at its core the most heartfelt messages. Be you, be different, be proud. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. And my review for the week is longer because uh, I had a lot to say about it. It is for The Bread Pet by Kate De Palma and illustrated by Nelika Verhoff. This is the sort of mentor text that the world needs, and not only because it evokes the smell of bread baking, which is perfect for us pandemic baker tryhards, it's got layers. Uh, and maybe these are just layers that my, my baggage lays on top of this book, but I think they were worth exploring anyway. Ostensibly, it's about what to do with a sourdough starter that you get left by your rainbow-clad 
uncle with a rusty van, but once you look deeper, there's an amazing layer, at least for me, dealing with introspection and self-improvement. When we start to look at our own inner bread pets, we've all got messes that need dealing with, but once you understand how to deal with your bread pet and the imperfect bits of yourself, you can begin to share it and them with your world rather than rather than throwing them out as waste. There's also some wonderful background representation in the form of the main character's mom and mama that is just background enough to, I'm sure, cause some really great conversations at bedtime and in the classroom and in the library and beyond. Now back to our show, but bef- uh, before then, pause and do a review today or just think about what your next review is going to be. Thanks, y'all. So, Anne, I did want to ask about the um, classes that you teach. So what do you just teach one class or, or several? Um, right now, I am just teaching one class. I teach a digital painting class um, at the university level. Um, and then next semester, I will be teaching that as well as uh, character design for illustration. Oh, cool. Are those yeah. so is that is that fun? Like, is that something that you really enjoy, like sort of talking about art and like pulling it apart and like discussing all that? I think I will enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I kind of got thrown into it this semester. It was not something that like teaching was always something that was like a maybe someday plan. And then the opportunity came up this semester. I was like, why not say yes and see how it goes? Um, So it was harder than I thought to kind of like pick apart how I create art in order to teach it um, from the technical point of view. Mm -hmm. And so, but I get really excited about talking about the choices that you're making when you're creating your art, whether it's the brushes you're using, the medium you're using, the colors you're using, like all of these things inform who you end up being stylistically as an artist. So once I figure out how to do that and teach the technical stuff in a way that students get more quickly, I think that I really will enjoy it. But it was a little bit of jumping in without knowing what I was doing at the beginning of the semester. It's a bold, I mean, it's a bold move. I mean, what, what was the process for get, getting involved in teaching to begin with? So I think I was just in the right spot at the right time. Um, Cause usually you have to have an MFA to teach and I do not. Um, however, I met the person who runs the program through Etsy BWI. She's a member of our local chapter um, and she was actually trying to find someone to teach a different class. And I just was like, I'm interested. I don't have an MFA, but I have a lot of, like I have publishing experience. And, um, so she found somebody else for that class. And then I guess they had this digital painting class open up and that's what I do. She, so. she was like, I, I'm really interested in these ink and watercolor drawings. Uh, yeah. can you teach them? You're like, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, now I can teach that in Procreate because I taught myself how to do it. Is is the digital watercolor? Is that is that what it is? Digital watercolor. Okay. Is that something you had done before that you had experience in, or was it was part of the learning curve? Like, oh shoot, I know basics, but now like I have to learn this specific like niche of how to how to teach. I um learned that specifically for my second book. So I, um, yeah, I originally was going to do my second book. Traditionally, I bought all the watercolors. I used to work in watercolor a lot, like 10 years ago. So I'm like, it will come back to me. And then the more I thought about having to do a picture book in and like, 
there was no command Z. Like I couldn't undo <laughs> things. Oh, I, I love like, command Z. I, I started getting in my head. So I taught myself how it was just easier to um, teach myself how to do it digitally. And oh also my I gosh, got myself yeah. more time to do the art that way because then we didn't have to do like scanning and editing the images. Um Oh my gosh. I didn't even, yeah, I feel like my brain is exploding right now because that didn't even occur to me in terms of illustration. But yeah, I mean, because if you're going to go the traditional route, not only do you not have control Z, but like you also, I mean, you can't just work on stuff anywhere. Like you have to physically be where your prints are, where your paints are, like where your stuff is. So you can't just like casually like work on something or like sketch an idea because I so rely on that right when I have when I'm working on like a draft or something because Google Drive is like I can access that anywhere Mm -hmm. and I Josh can attest to this I'm always like revising and like have new ideas and whatever and I have to like put them somewhere so like to have that is so valuable but I didn't think about that for illustration yeah so much sense and that's actually a huge reason why I started using Procreate was that I used to work at a library in Manhattan at a college library and I'd have an hour commute both ways on a train and like I felt like I was wasting time that I could be working on building my career. So I got um, an iPad and started teaching myself Procreate. Yeah, yeah. I'm analogizing this to, you know, what if I made the conscious decision because of how it made me feel about writing to write on a typewriter? It feels, it feels like a preposterous yes. in 2022. <laughs> Josh, I want a picture of you wearing a sequin suit and <laughs> typing on your typewriter, like on the, like at a bus stop oh, or like on a subway or something. I'm just like. <laughs> they do make typewriter keyboards. I have oh. one. I've seen those. Do you have one? That Can sounds, we see I, it? Do you have it? Is it like right there? Yeah, hold on. Can see? Hold on. It, I want to see it. It sounds okay. like it sounds delicious. <laughs> There's yellow. She's sitting I, on yellow too. <laughs> dude, I love it so much. I love all the yellow. I love all the yellow. <laughs> That's the yellow blanket that she had to move. Yeah, yes. right. right yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that. Oh, oh my I got gosh. it. Glorious. Right. Oh, I love it. Is it easy to type on too? Like, does it feel like, like, does I it love feel it. pleasant? Yeah. Yes. So sometimes you write on stuff and you're just like, oh, like, what is, why are the keys so far apart? And like, no, I really love it. And it kind of sounds like a typewriter when you use it. Like, oh, it totally does. So I'm like, right, now. <laughs> right. Why do I love this so much? Right? I feel like I really want one. <laughs> So, and it has a nice place for my iPad to sit. Um, it's I keep it on my writing desk, which is now covered in other things, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I, I'm a big fan of that. That's really cool. That was my, yeah, you quit your day, day job. Finally gift to myself. <laughs> so. What was your, what was your day job? I didn't even think to ask. I just figured you were always an author illustrator. You were always just like the author of blob. <laughs> um, I worked at the library at, uh, the Fashion Institute of Technology in Manhattan. So oh, for okay. about eight years. The fit. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone calls it that, but you can. Yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> You're all like, good one, Josh, but no. Part of my key responsibilities from <laughs> my day job is coming up with uh, acronyms for things. It's always been that way. Oh, awesome. So it's not really. I love a good acronym. I'm in marketing. Yeah. I got to think about stuff like that. <laughs> Anyway, oh um, I, I want to go back and talk about the two book deal thing, the agent, okay. the agenting and all that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. maybe this is, fingers crossed, something that we can ask Charlotte at some point if we are lucky enough to have her on. But I mean, what what work went into that 
is that like beyond your wildest expectations kind of a thing? Did you pitch it as a two book deal or? So I was actually with a different agent at the time. Um, My first agent left agenting. Oh. So my first agent did that deal. And actually I sort of sold it myself. I mean, she did all the like contract stuff. Um, but I had come up with the idea for Blob and did a dummy for it right away. And we put it out on submission and got a bunch of rejections, including from Harper Collins. And oh, ouch, snap. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was just like, you know, once you send it to a publishing house, it's done. Um, but then I am also part of a group called the Children's Book Illustrator Group in New York City. And they have monthly meetings with, or not monthly, they might be bi-monthly. I'm not exactly sure. Um, with editors or art directors. And then they do a portfolio critique day at the end of the year with editors, art directors that you can sign up for. So I had a portfolio critique with an art director who like the two days before the event had a family emergency and couldn't come. So my editor stepped in to cover for that slot. And she saw I had, and I had pages of blob in my portfolio so that when somebody said, hey, do you have a book for that? I could be like, absolutely. <laughs> I um, sure do. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. So she saw the pages and really loved Blob and asked me to send them, send it to her. And so I like emailed my agent at the time the next day being like, so I met this editor yesterday. And she's like, yeah, I already got an email from her asking wow. for the project. Oh, wow. Dude, how meant to be was that? Yeah. That, it was I mean, fun. somebody was sick and your editor came in and was like, I need that book. I mean, yeah. That's awesome. Things don't happen quickly in publishing until they do. Until they do. (laughs) Right. Until, yeah, right. I've heard that before. Like you wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then it's like, okay, now we need this thing like right now. Like, please, like just finish it right now. And you're like, (laughs) oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So. So then timeline. So you had your your original agent who is no longer with Mm -hmm. with agenting agenting through the completion of the deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I... Yeah, I signed with her in, I think, 2018. Um, And then she left agenting maybe 2020 or 2020. I think 2020. I'm not 100% sure on the timeline dates. The pandemic kind of made it hard to keep track of years. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) for sure. Um, So I could go back and look. So are you agented now? Yes. So I'm with uh, Charlotte Wenger at Prospect Agency. So my original agent was at Prospect. And so when she left, um, they gave her clients the option of talking to the other agents at the agency. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's nice. They didn't just like leave you out there like, well, good luck. Goodbye. Right. (laughs) Which they're allowed to do. Like agencies don't have to sign you with one of their other agents, but I do like Prospect. Um, And so Charlotte, Charlotte took you on um, Mm -hmm. after, I mean, after Blob was done and probably close to publication. And so what I I guess Mm -hmm. the timeline I'm trying to establish here is maybe, maybe one of your first big interactions with Charlotte is after getting to know her probably is to, to, to do the thing where, what if you wish, you know, you're going to work with her, I guess on, on that Mm -hmm. to sort of understand what's the best way forward for, uh, for taking this back to the editor. Yeah, so actually, by I guess timeline wise, I must have been with my other agent through twenty, through the beginning of twenty twenty one because at the time that I switched to Charlotte, 
um, I was already at the stage where I was going back and forth mostly with my editor uh, on that project. Okay. Oh, okay. Got um, it. Yeah. But Charlotte did step in when I like when I was doing the art for it. And I was like, I need somebody just to tell me that this looks okay. Um, she was she was part of that. Process. Good. All right. Good. Good. Well, I keep trying to give her credit for different parts of your <laughs> Charlotte is a great agent. And I keep feeling like I need to like finish revising some of my projects so I can start making her some money. Yeah, right. like... Um, so if you got, so you first were agented in 2018. So did mm-hmm. you, have you, like, how long have you been working on picture books or, and did you work on something else before, before that? And then like found picture books or was that always something you wanted to do? Um, so when pretty much since college, it was something I wanted to do. So I originally was going to go to college to become an architect because in high school I was very oh. good at math and oh. I was decent at drawing. And I was like, you know, combine the two. It oh, interesting. Sense. Totally. Yeah. yeah that and makes then, sense. Right. Like, well, it made sense to me. And then I got a college brochure from um, one of the schools that I said I was interested in because I had an architecture program and they also had an illustration program. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I was like, I didn't know that this was a thing that you could do. Like, I love books. I like art. Um, At 18, I was like, I'm a decent writer, so I don't need to go to school for writing. I should just go to school for art instead, you know. Totally. Um, (laughs) I mean, it was somewhat true, but like, no. Um, So, yeah, so I have an illustration degree. Um, I have an associate's degree in fashion illustration and then a degree in general illustration from FIT. Um, (laughs) so I knew at that time that I wanted to do picture books. And so I know a lot of artists post art school go into doing a lot of different things art wise, but, um, I don't know if it's just the way my brain works. If it was like an ADHD kind of hyper-focused thing, it was just like, I just want to do picture books. (laughs) Like this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so instead of going into art, I actually worked like three different jobs right out of college. I worked for an engineer drawing up. Um, plans in AutoCAD. I worked at the library part-time um, and then one of my friends worked for a like a home goods kind of company and I did email uh, graphics for them for a while until I got a full-time job at the library. Um, my goal was basically pay off my student loans, work on art and creating the connections and writing all through that and then take the plunge and pursue it full-time. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So that's another like meant to be moment. I mean, I feel like you, yeah, you were like, we're always meant to be doing this. I cannot see you as an architecture. There are far less sparkles in architecture. So like, I don't yeah, know. I, know. I don't know. It worked out. It doesn't line up. <laughs> right. <laughs> and now I'm bad that. at math. So. <laughs> They've changed it along the way. Yeah. I haven't done it in 10 years. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, yeah, As it we've seen with ink and watercolor, you can pick things up that you've abandoned for 10 years and do just fine with That's it. True. So I have everything. Math doesn't have the same appeal yeah. to me yeah, anymore. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Right. I do. Right. I do. enjoy just dying to do math it, problems. Yeah. I do enjoy picturing Ann Eppert buildings, though, dotting the, yeah. the Manhattan skyline. It'd be very colorful. Right. Well, and I love alliteration. So Anne Appert architect, like I like oh, the way that worked. But... I mean, Anne Appert artist yes. is pretty good too. <laughs> I know. It would so. be very I made it work. <laughs> I, I, am, I picture like stuff, like buildings that you would design as very um, uh, fountainhead 
the dude in Fountainhead that is like the crazy architect. Did you guys read that like a long, long time ago? No, you've never read that. Okay. So never mind. But if there's this architect in that book that just like designs these like cutting edge buildings and they look like, you know, not buildings. They're like really like ahead of their time. That's what I imagine with a lot of sparkles I cannot and believe like lots of yellow. We're talking about Ayn Rand. <laughs> Ayn Rand yeah. book. <laughs> oh man. When I, I first read that book, like, I don't know, like 20 years ago or something. And it like blew my mind. I was like, this is incredible. And then, then you learn you know, who Ayn Rand is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, of course I read the Fountainhead and all that too, but, and I was like really into it for a while and then it just like petered out. But <laughs> anyways, we're not talking about Ayn Rand. So sorry, Anna. <laughs> no I, I want to talk about too, uh, or at least call out the fact that I just put in some super cool sticker orders on your coffee. Thank you. Do you, how do we say it? Coffee shop? Yeah, well, I, like co- Ko-Fi? Well, I was always saying it Ko-Fi because it looked like Wi-Fi to me. So I was just like, you know. And then my sister pointed out that like the whole gimmick is like, buy me a coffee. Like you can support your artists that you like by just giving them three bucks for a coffee. I was like, oh, it's definitely coffee. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know why they spelled it that way or hyphenated. I mean, to make right? make like, Emily happy, I guess. But uh, otherwise. I mean. Yeah, right. Just call it a Ko-Fi. Yeah. To, yeah. Or, or sorry, just call it coffee then. Be like right? Yeah. So I say it probably four different ways because I actually have no idea how you're supposed well, to say for, for the purposes of this segment of, of the podcast, we'll call it the coffee shop. So yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm curious about your thought process behind setting up the coffee shop and doing the monthly packages and things, which are going to be like f- just fantastic stocking stuffers for my kids who are nine and five. I hope they don't listen to this. I don't think they have any access to podcasts, so this won't be spoiled. But but just the, the notion of, you know, producing stickers uh, and sticker sheets and postcards as packages, I think is really cool. Um, I mean, what, what was behind doing that? Um, so, well, first I will have to say it's not an original idea. A lot of artists do these like monthly either stickers or... Um, pins a lot of people do pins or different things that you can subscribe to their monthly so I definitely stole the idea (laughs) not my original idea um but part of the reason I started it was that so I mentioned I quit my day job it was I think in 2019 that I was like you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do this and then like four four or five months after that I sold blob and I was like yes this was the right call and my plan was always to um like do it for a year and then go back into the workforce if I needed to. And then the pandemic hit and um, I do live with my parents and they are older. So going back to a job where I could potentially give them something like threatening was not something I wanted to do. Mm. So I was looking for ways to diversify my income. Um, And it took another year after that to actually get the sticker thing going. <laughs> but um, so I started it originally, though, um, as a way to offer critiques and mentorship to writers and illustrators. So if you go to my page, you'll see all of those things are still lifted that listed there. And I um and I still do critiques occasionally. Um, I'm not very good at promoting myself, so it probably would be a better source of income if I like told people about it more. <laughs> We're going to tell um, everybody. We'll tell yeah. everyone through the podcast. So, we'll put the links. Yeah. Thank you. So it started that way. And then they had the membership option. And I've always loved stickers. I mean, who doesn't love stickers? And yes. um, 
since creating cute characters is kind of part of what I do every day anyway, it just made sense that um, as a way to use all the random drawings that I've done that I haven't done anything with, turn them into stickers and give them to people. So, and it's a way to create like little stories with no pressure. Like each of the months has like a little theme um, with art and stickers well, that go together. Well, yeah. I mean, one, one of the, one of the packs that I ordered was the, um, it's just chillin'. I wish it was chin, chin chillin'. The, just like the, the little cozy chinchilla uh, that's like just, just reading a book is perfect for my bookie nine-year-old. I would, I would eat up a, a book, a picture book that starred a cozy little chinchilla that was just, you know, doing his thing. <laughs> so fun story. I did actually do a couple of comic pages for that. Um, so I'm actually hoping to turn it into a you know, like a early reader kind of graphic novel. Thing. You heard it here oh, first. Cool. Yeah. So that is on Very my cool. bucket list of projects to do. I was going to say though, I love, I love that you're able to like find an outlet or somewhere to put those like tiny little stories that you create all the time, because as writers, right. Especially as a picture book writer, I mean, Josh and I have like, you know, there's like thousands of ideas. I feel like that I have yes. just like floating around a lot of, you know, I have a bazillion like unpublished manuscripts, right. But they mm-hmm. they don't have a home. It's like some of them, you know, are going to go on sub. Some of them might not. Some of them I might sub to a contest or whatever, but like, I would love them all to like have a life somewhere outside of my laptop, but yeah. it's, you know, it's not for writing. I mean, I don't, you know, like there are other ways I suppose to do that, but like, I love that you have found a way to like make that happen because uh, like, how fun is that to like share with people? Like the first thing I do when I write a rough draft is like, I want to show somebody like, this was so fun. Like, I love what I did here. Right. And so you can actually do that. So that's like, that's really cool. Yeah. And for some of the ideas, they're not longer than like, like some ideas are good in like the, like four panel comic kind of thing or, but they don't have much life beyond like for two or three images, you know, like there are some ideas that you're like, this is a great joke or this is a great thing, but there's really no way to expand it into a picture book length thing or um, so doing it this way, I can still get that, like, you know, scratch that itch, I guess, for that story and put it out into the world and have let people enjoy it. Dude, totally. Because I, I feel like some of my picture books suffer because of that, because I come up with like the one really good joke and I don't know like how to build around it. So it's like just the joke. And it's like, well, this manuscript is like, okay. And it's really short, which is cool. It's like 150 words or whatever, but it's like, it doesn't go anywhere. I'm like, right, right. right. Well, I thought the joke was really funny. And then that was it. So (laughs) it's like, there's not enough there for it to like, really capture somebody but it's a good joke (laughs) yes yes and you just like don't want it to die I I feel so attached to because I also write funny so I feel very attached to like my one-liners and 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 just hearkening back to the that germ of the idea that's the perfect thing to like just take a screenshot of in your notes app and post on Instagram and say like you know, maybe I would come up with a story if somebody wanted to pay me to build (laughs) to build it (laughs) right yeah right I'm not gonna do it on my own though Right. <laughs> Somebody motivate me yeah. to write to write this thing. Yeah, it's like the lazy, it's going to be like hashtag lazy, lazy writer. Yeah. Like, please, <laughs> please, please make me write this. <laughs> oh, people aren't allowed to tell me their ideas for stories unless they want to be harassed into writing it. Because I'll be like, okay, so have you have you written that idea yet? Like, where, oh, where, is, it? where is it going? And now you're going to have to become my, my critique partner. 
<laughs> I was gonna, yeah, I was gonna be like, I was gonna be like, I need you in my life, and to yeah, just be right. able to like keep tabs yeah. on me and be like, what about this thing, and what about the blah blah blah. Like, the worst part though is that that it could be a terrible idea, and I'd be like, yes, that idea doesn't work, but let's make it work. It's going to work somehow. We're gonna do it. <laughs> no, now so now you're a great hype man too, like a great hype person. But like my husband is my hype man because we decided a long time ago he cannot be my critique partner. But he was like, at one point, like we were bickering about it. And he's like, dude, he's like, what, what do you want from me? And I was like, this is what I want from you. I'm like, I need you to tell me that every idea is awesome. That my, you know, like I'm super smart. I'm really funny. What? And he's like, okay. So going forward, that's what he does. Any idea. Oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard. That's hilarious. It's so great. Like it you, works really well To have well found a spouse that is willing to be your booster is very special. And I, I will also say it's yes. a useful role to fill for critique partners or whatever, because you don't get that from the rest of the industry. It's yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, you need someone who's like, no, I like your stuff is awesome. Like, I believe in you. Like, it's going to happen. Anyways. <laughs> so true. Well, oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead, I was just going to say, I know I know, we're coming up on the hour. Sorry for taking a break and, That's what and I was moving, say. My, moving my eye line. I know I acknowledge my personal situation in our email. All this will get cut out in the end. I'm just trying to send a send a time sensitive text message here. But, uh, yeah, I know. I know we're, oh, sure. we're 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 trending toward an hour, and I know we're we're getting you're you're about to do your wrap up question. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. Yeah, is there is there anything that we missed that you would like to talk about before we let you go? I'm not sure. I could talk about this stuff all day, honestly, <laughs> because I love talking about picture books and art and writing. Um, obviously. I mean, yeah, yeah, same, same. I mean, that's kind of how we started the podcast because we just we really like to talk about it, too. And it's been so like interesting and fun to have all of these people on to, you know, like let let us ask questions about, you know, the process and just like how things happen and behind the scenes and just yeah, just all of it. But I mean, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so glad that this worked out like it was I, I just love talking to you about all of the stuff and the process and the yellow and the sparkles and the glitter. And it was awesome. You have a really important yeah. perspective. Thank you for having me here. This is, again, this is my first time doing something like this. And it's a lot of fun. I should do this oh, more often. I don't know, I don't know <laughs> if other so people glad. do it this way or not. But yeah, we have fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. And I, I'm, I'm so glad that you felt, you know, comfortable enough to like email and just be like, hey, like, I understand because I didn't, it didn't occur to me that no structure could also be, you know, like, like I understand how that could induce some anxiety because we don't have structure so that people feel comfortable. But I also understand, right. If you come on and you feel like, well, I'm the guest, like I've got to have all the answers and like, I should know what I'm talking about. That makes a lot of sense. So I appreciate you like asking because yeah, I, I, I'm so glad because I didn't want to stress you out. So yeah, I stress about like, not having the answers or like having a question that I'm like, Oh, I can't answer that. And then I just make up everything anyway. So <laughs> nobody should actually listen to me. <laughs> Which is a perfect thing to say at the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Everything right. I just said, ignore it. <laughs> right. Actually, I'm going to take that soundbite. I'm going to stick it up front for the podcast yeah, when right. it airs and be like, don't listen to this, please. Right. It's like a gimmick, right? Like those books that are like, the very meta books that are like, don't read this book. Or right. Like, don't turn that page. Yeah, yeah. Reverse psychology, title of the episode, don't listen to Anne Apert. Right. Don't yeah. listen yeah. to yeah. 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 I love it. Although well, I do stand by the storytelling in all of your images that I stand by. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening this week. 
Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.